When I'm helping others, I'm ultimately helping myself because it makes me continuously rise. You know, if I'm going to ask you to do something, I am that type of person that is going to do it right there beside you or have already done it. Welcome to Authentic On Air with Bruce Alexander. I'm your host, Bruce Alexander. Our guest today is Christina Rose, and she refers to herself as the declutter queen. As an avid advocate of ADHD awareness, she had me at hello. What's that over there? But first, today's reflection. Can you be your best in a mess? I cannot. I can't honor any part of myself when disorganization has taken hold. These triggers for me are deep-rooted. The connection to shame and guilt is obvious now, but the positives of organization remain. As we sit today with our guests, I hope you will think about your relationship with mess and your best and challenge yourself to be honest. And as always, I am genuinely interested and would love to hear any interesting, surprising, or revelational insights you, you uncover. So you can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, or LinkedIn at Authentic Identity Management. At some point, the avalanche of insights will crush me. Until then, I'll keep asking. As I sat down to write for this episode, I found myself at a loss of words. I was as surprised as you probably are hearing it. Even if they are sometimes the wrong words, they are usually easy coming out, most of the time. As I prepped for Christina, I kept seeing the phrase, getting your shit together. After an unknown period of time, staring at the blinking insertion point of my blank screen, the obstacle materialized, fear. Do I have my shit together? Across from me sits someone who, also like me, has ADHD, but she has made a career out of reprogramming herself and others to rise above this limitation. What if she sees me? Sees that I am where she started and I am full of doubt that I will ever be successful again. I've talked about the paralyzing power of fear previously on this show. I've been afraid so much of my life. I've experienced so much uncertainty. I've learned from it, grown from it, and I know honesty is the way through. Hi, Christina. I, like you, have ADHD. I, like you, want to have a career coaching others to overcome what I spent a lifetime struggling with. I am scared I will fail my family, but I'm okay with that now. I hope you do see me, and I hope my honesty creates space for you to share your story with the Authentic on Air audience. Welcome to the show, Christina. Well, thank you so much for having me, Bruce. That was really, really good. Um, you know, here's the thing is what people need to understand. Give yourself grace and keep moving forward. You know, today is a new day. We are all blessed to be on this earth right now. So just always be evolving, being a learning-based individual, and the rest will just come. That's, that's great advice. Um, I will hopefully take that to heart and keep <laughs> moving forward. So uh, just to rewind a little bit, in your own words, can you tell our audience who you are, how you spend your time, and why you think I invited you on the show? Absolutely. So my name is Christina Rose and I'm a chronic disorganization specialist. I specialize in the mind, body, and home. And I am a coach as well. And I have a program that's called Getting Your Shit Together. And shit actually stands for self-care, happiness, inner peace, and time. So it's one of those things that 
when you look at that, it could be such an ugly word. And when you turn it into something beautiful and you have something to look forward to every day of how I'm going to get my shit together today, it really takes on a new whole new world. And it just truly um, evolves into that as well. And the most important thing about that is self. When you are taking care of yourself, you are able to pour from a full cup because your cup run it over. And then guess what? You are able to genuinely help other people, help yourself. You feel better. You look better. Your mind is clearer with us with ADHD is we're chasing that dopamine high. So it's, we get so caught up in the everyday and we lose focus of time that we tend to forget to take care of ourselves. Oh, I didn't go to the gym today or, oh, I didn't eat till eight o'clock at night. And that's not taking care of ourselves because we're not putting good things in our body. We are, you know, are we do a deadline? We wait till the very last minute and then we like work all through the nights, pull a couple of all-nighters to make sure that the job is done. Well, how is that taking care of yourself? So you're literally just draining your cup. So it is so important to each and every day is to take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Absolutely. I think that's really poignant. Um, so knowing all that, as a person with ADHD, how do you have the confidence to coach others in disorganization of all things? Um, because I've lived it and I'm still living it each and every day. Um, I was in corporate America for the last 20 years and I was in um, casual dining and fast food. And my life was not time management. It was restaurant first, everybody else second, a house somewhere down there and in the world. And um, it was a realization of um, during 2020, I went through a healing journey and spiritual journey. And I learned really quickly, I don't have my shit together. And I was 85K in debt. I literally breathed on fumes. You know, I was pregnant and it just was like, there has to be a better way. I was living in flight or flight from all the trauma that I had endured in my childhood and in my adult life. And I just kept going. I didn't stop. I didn't move. I just kept going. Well, when I went through this spiritual journey, it was okay, habit, I have to reprogram my brain. I, so that's where my mindset comes in. So that's where the mind of the getting your shit together, why I did the chronic disorganization specialist, because when your mind is right, magical things can happen. But when we're filling, when we're constantly talking about ourselves in a negative outlook, when the world, you know, we have basically paralyzation, you know, we've got to have that body double to do things like that. But when you don't have anybody or you're depressed or you have anxiety or you've been through so much trauma, like you just talked about a while ago with the root, okay? It, there can be the most beautiful flower bed, 
But when you start looking up close, if you don't take care of that flower bed and get in there every single day and pull those weeds from the root, more and more are going to come back. So when I go into these people's homes and when I was looking at myself, I had to heal my trauma from the root. You know, I had to get down and reprogram my brain from the root. And when we do that, magical things can start happening because guess what? You do have inner peace now. You have found your happiness. So then it all ties in together. And what's the one thing we can control throughout our day is our time. But we always let our time control us. I, I know a little bit about that. My wife who's listening right now will definitely tell you that time blindness is a huge issue for me. Um, as I was listening to you say that, you know, you talked about healing deep trauma. Um, as a coach, do you feel qualified to deal with that part of helping somebody reprogram themselves? I give them educational tips of what I have researched with ADHD um, and, you know, things that I have learned, give them books to read, you know, um, more of from a scientific point, you know, I give them books to read, I give them, you know, lessons to do. Um, but when it comes to being a therapist, like, I'll be your, sit on my couch. I will be your, you know, I will let you get it all out. Um, but I do encourage seeing somebody, you know, uh, on the way over here, I was on the phone with my therapist, you know, I mean, it's something every Wednesday morning without fail. I, I am up, I'm ready to go. So 7am, I get on the phone with her every single day. And it's, people need to understand it's not a, let's put it in the closet you know, they are there to just help, you know, we don't need to bring everything back up to the surface and, you know, relive anything. We just need to be able to know that's a trigger. How do I reprogram that? And how do I release and let it go? Because you don't necessarily have to relive every single bit of your trauma to heal. But you also need to do the inner work to be able to heal and release it because that no longer serves you. It's not doing anything for you anymore. And when you're able to do that, when you're able to release that from your mind and then those limiting beliefs that sometimes we don't even realize we have because our subconscious is formed between the ages of 7 and 14. Uh, from the ages of zero to four, we are in the theta state. So what that means is everything, they literally, it's like a sponge. I mean, it's when you are so far up on your manifestation level, you're basically living in a different reality because you see and hear everything from different things. That's what a zero to four-year-old is. They're, they're learning so much and can absorb all of that. And so it's very crucial to be able to help yourself understand that, that you didn't have that control and being able to release it and let it go. But also on the children's side, then you can actually help them develop the great skills. Mm -hmm. And believe me, like, this is why I'm doing this because guess what? 
I have a 16 year old that I was not this way with, you know, I literally, I ADD got the best of me. I didn't do good in school. So went into customer service, was really good at it. That's, and I kept telling myself, that's the best I can do, you know? And then I woke up, I literally woke up and it's a whole new world out there. And that's what I want to be able to help my clients with is understanding, yes, life is hard. No matter if you've been through trauma, no matter if you are living the most glorious life in Bali, life is hard, but choose your heart. Mm. And when you keep learning and you keep growing, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do as humans is evolve and learn and grow. It's okay to take a different path. It's okay to do something different. And I promise you, the only ones judging you are the ones that have the insecurities about themselves. Right. So I have a theory about people developing. I kind of compare it to an operating system. Like everything before we hit the age of 18 is basically our beta phase. And we're just, you know, just a really a prototype. After 18, then, you know, version one, 18 to 21, version one drops. What version of yourself do you think you're on at this point? I would probably say about version number at least 10 to 11. Wow. And just because I, I've have evolved so much, um, like I said, I, I did not have the best childhood in the sense of 12 to 18. Um, but I have seen a lot in my life, you know, um, been through a lot, seen a lot. So to me, I can honestly say I kept going. I didn't heal from it, but I kept going. But I would say I truly am in the best chapter of my entire life. And it's, it's truly amazing to see how far I've, I've come. And what do, what do you think has spurred on the development of each of those versions? Um, so one, my, I'm going to prove you wrong aspect growing up, you know, and I come, um, my mom was an addict, my family, there's a lot of my family that are addicts and I never wanted to be like them. So I always tried to do the opposite, you know, and I wanted to live a good life. And so it was like, always like, okay, I have to keep doing more. And I have always just been the most forgiving person, the most loyal person. You know, that's just who I am. I'm a giver. And, you know, and I always see the good in people. There is good in everybody. It's just sometimes it's buried. And so my overall mission in life is to just help others. You know what I mean? Because when I'm helping others, I'm ultimately helping myself because it makes me continuously rise. You know, if I'm going to ask you to do something, I am that type of person that is going to do it right there beside you or have already done it. And my biggest motto is doing to others what you, how you would want to be treated. So I do that in every aspect, you know, 
Like, how is someone going to pay for my services when I'm not even living it? You know, my life is not perfect. You know, not everything in my house is organized. I live a functional system life. You know, I work, I have a time management program, but I have to work on that daily. And my clients are just something that keeps me going. So that's why I love it. It's like when you get in business for yourself or when you're doing something for yourself that truly makes you happy, you're never working a day in your life and you are living your best life because you are moving forward. You know, I have an uncle that truly is a brilliant businessman and his motto is just having fun, literally just having fun. And that's what he lives there, you know, because life is too short. I lost my mom when I was 22. Um, and you know, it's like I said, I, I've seen a lot. So life is precious and, you know, it's one of those that it can really be seen from a different set of eyes. You know, you just have to clean your glasses. Um, you talked about addiction a little bit. Can you tell me some more about that? And also, is that what you lost your mother to? So I grew up, my mother's side of the family, um, were addicts and it's a, it's an awful thing. Um, it really is. Um, and I just decided, like I said, I was not going to be there. My mom had a few car wrecks, hurt her back, and the doctor prescribed prescription drugs for her. I could honestly say my mom was magical when I was a little girl. Magical. Pageants, hence, hence Declutter Queen. Um, but she got hooked on prescription drugs. And... It spiraled for years and she, uh, my brother as well was addicted, but he was more on the meth and things like that. And um, so she got sober because she needed to get his kids. So the um, child protective services came in. So she needed to get his kids. So she um, went to rehab and I'm happy to say that um, she was clean the last five years of her life, but the damage had already been done to her body and she got pancreatitis. Well, the pancreas exploded and within three days I was, um, they were trying to do the fluids to flush her system out and she went into kidney failure and then she went brain dead and within three days I lost my mother and that was you know, a very pivotal moment, you know, I, I kind of had to grow up, you know, I had to take custody of my brother's children. I had a child myself, you know, um, my oldest, he was only, um, 11 months old at the time. So, you know, I'm, I'm a kid myself having to plan funerals and take care of all of that. And, you know, then I have extra responsibility that just was tacked on to me. So I, that was another reason why I really went a completely different direction than, than that is because I never wanted my kids to be around that. And I never wanted to be around that. And like I said, it's, it's, and you know, you hear all the time now where people are 
overdosing on fentanyl and it's just like it's just awful mm -hmm. i just i don't wish you know um Al-Anon is a great resource, you know what I mean, to understand, you know, because sometimes you can be the enabler and, you know, like, yes, I know you want to help them, that's your kid or that's your spouse or whatnot, but that's just something they're battling their own set of demons, you know, and you can be there, but sometimes they just don't want the help, you know, and you just need to be there when they are, but you might need to love them from afar. And you said you said you were twenty two when this all happened. Yes. Wow. Yep. That's a lot. It 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 really was, you know, and it's one of those things that it's one of my parts of my story that I try to use for good to tell people, you know what, like keep going, don't give up yet, you know. And if you are trying to get sober, are your eight days sober, are your whatever, just one more day, guys, just. Just for today, remain sober, and then get up in the morning and do it all over again. 22 years old, you had an 11-month-old, and you were taking on two more children that were how old again? So no, actually, I took on four children. You took on four children? Yes. So 13, 10... Four, two, and then my 11-month-old. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. how, how hard was that? I did what I always did and just kept going. Like, I, I literally told 2020 lived in a mask, mm -hmm. you know, just another hit to you. Just move on, you know, put put your big girl pants on and, and just move on. I really will say I didn't cope with the loss of my mom probably till about a year and a half later. Um, just because it was, I've got to, I got to be the adult. You know what I mean? Like the, these kids world just completely turned upside down. Yes. I know that that was my mom, but I can't imagine being that young and one minute the person, the only stability you ever had in your life just left. Yeah. So I remained with custody for almost three years and it was taken a toll on my, even, you know, it had already taken a toll on my mental health, but so much that I was be felt like I was no longer being the parent that my son deserved. And um, there were some problems because of the past that they have had. Um, and so I, I went ahead and gave up my right, you know what I mean? And I just, I couldn't do it anymore for the sake of my child. Right. You know, I, I had to learn that it wasn't my responsibility. So it was your brother still out of the picture at this point? Um, I believe he is in prison. I well, I know for a fact he's in prison. Um, I'm sure for some kind of drugs. Um, I he's 45. My hope for him is one day he just sees, you know, like you have grandchildren now, you have more children now. Like 
I hope that he, this maybe this time in prison might change. I don't know. I just, like I said, I will always love my brother, but I'm just going to love him way out there. Right. Right. And he doesn't get, get close. So, so, I mean, giving up the kids had to have been hard. What happened to them? So, um, luckily the kid's mother, um, was able, uh, the kid's mother's mother, grandmother. So the grandmother, um, was able to take them. Um, I do know the oldest is in prison as well. And, um, the young one, of course, my mother had physically adopted three of them, but then there was another one that came in after the adoption. Um, I do know that he has autism and things like that, which doesn't surprise me. Um, but I can't tell you where they are or, or anything like that. You know, I just, I hope that they are truly living their best lives and I wish them, you know, nothing but love and understanding, you know. So um, the show is about authenticity and some people think that that means like only leaning into the parts of yourself that you believe are good. And to me, it has so much more to do with realizing your limitations, seeing where your weaknesses are, seeing what's hurting you and what's toxic and also what you can't control. So that this, you know, is a lesson in having to let something go. I, I this it's an extreme lesson. I can't imagine how hard that would have been, but it allowed you to flourish later in your life. And, you know, I, I, I don't dare think what it would have been like if you would have tried to hang on and how that would have been a disservice to everyone involved. So, you know, I appreciate your self-awareness to be able to do that. How soon after that was the point where you felt like you woke up and started being active in your life? Um, mm -hmm. Here's the thing is, like I said, I, everything that's happened, um, throughout my life, my, my rape, my molestations, you know, uh, trauma from my husband's a 100% disabled veteran, PTSD, you know, losing my mom, you know, just all of these things. I literally just kept going. You know what I mean? Like it was, I have a child. I need to make sure I do the best for him. Just keep going. So I can honestly say, um, I did not start really taking that mask off till about two and a half years ago. And in relation to giving the kids, so you were 25 when you gave the kids up and how old are you now? Let me ask you. I, absolutely. I'm 38. So I literally got married a year later mm -hmm. and we're still together to today. So I just like, Oh, that it's like, Oh, that book's closed. Let me, let me just move on, you know? And, um, you know, it, it even made my ADD worse because now I'm, I never had dealt with any of my root issues, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, that's another one. Just, Oh, keep doing it. Oh, I've been through worse. Just keep moving on. And it came to a head, you know, like it's one of those that I woke up one day and I, I didn't know 
who I was. I didn't know what I'm doing this for, you know? And it's like, I look around, everybody sees me as this, oh, she has her life together. No, I didn't have my life together. And I'm still working on it very, very, very hard each and every day. And I think that that's the most important thing with my coaching is guess what? What I'm telling you to do, either I've been through it or I'm working through it right now as we speak. You know, I am going to be your accountability partner and I'm not here to just sugarcoat something. So if you want something sugarcoated, I'm not your girl in this sense of you can push yourself a little further, you know, and I will help anybody. I will be there for you, but you have to do the work yourself. Right. I'm not going to, I'm going to hold your hand as long as you're right here, but my hand doesn't reach very far back. Um, you talk about just just keep going. You know how you in a, in this in this way is not in the most positive sense. You were just chugging along and just putting one step in front of the other without actually putting any active thought into what you've been through. Um, thinking about your story and how it's affecting your decisions on the day to day. The benefit of that is that you're able to you know get through pretty much anything because you're not actually actively engaging with your life, right? Mm -hmm. um, that detachment allows you to be able to handle a lot. But as you found years later, it feels better to actually actively feel like you're living your life, right? Oh, it! I didn't realize how bad I was in flight or flight and how so many of us are in flight or flight. And it's a whole new world. It's when it, it's amazing how much better you feel how more like the stress like right now should be the most stressful time you know of everything of going through everything of learning all of this stuff and dealing with all of this but it's just truly amazing because my mindset is completely different I know who I am I know what makes me happy and I know what the what the end goal is you know and that's so important is because I write it down. I look at it. What is that one thing that I can do for myself to get me there? Because guess what? You could do any, literally, I know that we were told this as a kid, but guess what? You really can do anything you want to do as long as you continue to work for it and as long as you put your mind to it. But we give up that close right. because it's too hard. Or it's that limiting belief of saying, mm, not for me, so-and-so can have it, but not me. So-and-so can do that, but not me, because I, I, I can't do that. And that limiting belief gets you in trouble. Nine times out of 10, I don't listen to what my mind says, because my mind says to turn off that alarm 10 times. Mm -hmm. My mind says, I don't need to go to the gym. And that's where, nope. Because guess what? Now I can listen. My brain has slowed down enough of it. I've gotten it out of flight or flight that it has slowed down enough for me to realize what it's trying to tell me. And when it's not in my best interest, I'm not listening. I control my brain. My brain does not control me. And, you know, I've, a big part of my coaching is advocating self-awareness. And especially as ADHD people, 
we can get caught in masking and never leave. Just not even realize that we're being somebody else to try to fit into whatever. I did it for almost 10 years as a firefighter, trying to be, trying to fit in, trying to, you know, trying to make these people like me whenever I wasn't even showing them me. I was trying to show them what I thought they wanted and they didn't like it. Surprise. And then that just made me do it harder and more and just never ending cycle. Um, I think your story really helps highlight that, that difference of finding, finding yourself and then leading from there instead of trying to figure out where you fit in and then trying to make yourself fit. Oh, I, I mean, I, as you were saying that, I mean, it just, all these flooded memories came back because yes, that's what I've done my whole life. Just, okay, what more do I need to do to fit in with these people? Okay. I'm at work. What more do I need to do to be the best employee? So, you know, people like me and people are going to be my friend or, you know, oh, what are you? And I refuse to do that anymore. You know, I refuse for people to let them take my energy. You know, it's a magical word. It's called boundaries. It is magical. <laughs> and it is like absolutely amazing. And guess what? You get to control that. But a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get too invasive about, you mentioned sexual assault. Um, that, that's your story to tell however much you want to share of it, but how did that affect how you interacted with the world or didn't interact with the world? Um, once again, um, I have just released this, but it, it was such a long, drawn-out process. It wasn't just a one-and-done that I pretty much dissociated myself with my body, you know, and I think that that's... I, always say I, I'm in Gemini so I always just say I was with the other twin mm -hmm. and um I looking back I think the rape and the molestation helped me in the sense of this that I had already disassociated with my body so much that I didn't feel I was so numb to everything that it helped me keep going does that make sense yeah. And so, um, but it did, and it still does to this day, like, I still have a hard time when people just, like, I'm the biggest hugger. If I want to hug you, I'm a Southern girl. Hey, girl, you know. But when somebody just comes up behind me, like, I, I am scoping out, like, you know, it, it makes me very uncomfortable. You know, even my kids, just hands touching me. And it's something that I still work on every day. And here's the thing is, you know, if this circumstance has happened to you, you know, whether, and just because that I dealt with it this way, somebody else might deal with it in a whole different, and neither one is right or wrong. Just do yourself a favor and make sure you do the inner work and heal and release that because it's not fair for you to carry on that burden. Right. I, I can honestly say like, I, I am an open book because at the end of the day, my story might help another girl that's on here. And she, she is in that corner crying because she doesn't want anybody to touch her. 
she has disassociated with herself and guess what that's their issue Mm. you know and don't let them have the beauty of the rest of your life you know don't let them steal your joy don't let them steal your thunder don't let them steal your beauty and um i just hope that you know they can be able to heal and move forward from it you know what i mean but i will say I did have a lot as I was doing work with my inner self and self-awareness is I didn't realize how much like I could turn myself off in a dime. You know, that's where it's like, I love where you're being your authentic self because I, it was so easy to become that body double of, you know, so it's one of these, it's now people are seeing me and they're like, where what are you doing? I'm like, no, I'm being me. This is me. Like, I'm no longer wearing the mask. This is, this is who you get, like her or not, you know? And this is me. You either like me or you don't. Have your relationships suffered from, can you think of any relationships that have suffered from that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I stand up for myself, so the boundaries, I, I've lost some friendships and family members due to that. And then I've, you know, it's one that I always used to go with the flow, you know, like wouldn't speak my piece or if they upset me, I just buried it down. So now I really feel that a true friendship, we're able to tell each other when we hurt our feelings and hey girl, you know, like you say you're getting your shit together, but you're doing this, this and this. Are you, are you really? You know, normally I'd be like, you know, she, God, she, I cannot believe she told me that. No, she's telling me that because she is my friend and she is understanding. Like she just wants the best for me. And I have some found some of the most amazing friendships out of this. You know, it's, it's really true. Who are your five closest people? Who do you, you know, who are those people that, you know, hold that glue? And they need to be people that are pushing you every day, that are growing from you, that are adding value to their your life. How are they adding value to their your life? You know, how are you adding value to their lives? You know, um, I send quotes, you know, I have quotes that I send out on a daily and it's one of those that it doesn't take me two seconds to send that. But it, you never know, it might make somebody's day, you know, or, hey, beautiful, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. You don't know, you know, from a girl to a girl, you know, we're not tearing each other to shreds. You know, we are lifting each other up and it's, it's truly amazing, you know, because a true friend is going to be there when you need to cry. Okay, the cry is over. We've got that. Now, what's the solution to the problem so we can get it fixed I really like that you ask yourself the question as well not just how is this person providing value to my life you also ask what am I doing for them and especially in my marriage I've started to ask myself that question more and more Um, I've talked about on the show before that I didn't have a partner until really three or four years ago and it's not because 
she didn't want that, it's because we didn't communicate on a, on a truly deep level. We weren't, I wasn't myself. Like I hadn't really, I didn't know this. I wasn't trying to mask. I wasn't trying to be, you know, this false version of myself, but I hadn't accessed so many of my traumas that I was just really being remote controlled through life by my, by childhood Bruce. And that, um, figuring that out, starting to unpack that stuff, I realized that there was so much about my wife and myself I didn't know. And I started to ask, well, why don't I know anything about her? I, I love her. Like I care so much because I didn't ask questions. I didn't, I didn't take interest in the things she cared about because I was on autopilot. So I started to ask what, what am I doing to make her life better? And I've tried to be an active, more present husband because of that. And so I really think that, you know, I challenge everybody to ask yourself that question. What am I offering to the people around me? What, what do I do to try to enrich their lives? And, you know, especially your top five, it should be a, you know, a really mutual beneficial relationship where you guys all make each other better. That's, that's the goal, right? Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm the same way. Um, you know, I've been, I will be married 13 years and I, we've been together 13 years. So we've been married 12. Um, but it's one of those things that I just now have a husband because of that reason. We both had so much trauma that we were living in flight or flight and autopilot for so long that we were not each other, you know? And I will say for over a year and a half, we moved into separate bedrooms and we decided to go to counseling just for ourselves. And it was the most best thing for my marriage because we were able to find ourselves, which in return made our marriage so much better mm. because when we heal our wounds, we're not reflected in it on the other person. And when our cup is filled up and when we start asking, well, well, what do we want out of life? You know, then you tend to do the same for your, your spouse. And then um, just probably four weeks ago, we started going to marriage counseling, not because our marriage is bad, mm -hmm. but now we have worked on our inner trauma to where we're not projecting it on each other. So now it's all about the communication of moving forward. It's okay. How do we communicate? Because clearly we weren't doing that the last however long, right. you know? So it's building a new foundation is all it's doing, mm -hmm. you know, because like I said earlier, people are going to counseling when it's too late, you know, versus, Hey, why does this person do this or to better understand and it's just a non-biased person trying to help you with that. But when you're in there, well, she did this, he did this. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to work on that. And I will say that is the best thing, going to therapy for yourself. Getting that to where you can start working on your marriage. Absolutely. So, because guess what? A lot of that's just ego. And a lot of that's insecurities projected onto somebody else. And then you're getting nowhere. I think one of Al-Anon's uh, big phrase they use is keep your side of the street clean. Um, that's, I think that's huge in marriage. You can, you know, you can be part of a marriage and 
spend so much time blaming the other person without ever really looking at yourself. But if you just keep your side of the street clean and take care of your business, there's, you know, let's take the dishes for example. I'm terrible about this, but this is a good example. The dishes aren't done and I'm upset. Did I do the dishes? No, but they're not done. They're still my dishes, right? Like they're the dishes that it's my house. Even if my wife didn't live here, I'd still have the kids. This dishes would still get dirty. So I could do the dishes as well. If I'm upset about it, I should just do it. Versus saying, hey, you need to do this thing or else I'm gonna be mad at you. Just do the thing and then talk about, you know, if you have roles that are supposed to be, you know, filled, talk about that after. But in the end, if you push that person away, you're going to be doing the dishes anyways. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just handle the thing that bothers you, then have a conversation about it. And I, I just, that mentality has changed so much for me. Oh, absolutely. And, um, it's, you know, going back to boundaries, like we can be in the middle of something and it might be a trigger for me or it might be a trigger. Well, we know that now we didn't know that before. So immediately we're like, Oh, that's a new boundary. I don't like it. You know, it doesn't set well with me. That's a new boundary. So then we can talk about it, figure out a solution. And guess what? From here forward, they know that that upsets you. Because guess what? Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, we can't guess what's in here. Right. You know, and I get it that, you know, all the time, my favorite word is, I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> And my, well, what does that exactly mean? I don't know. Here, you want me to give you a list? You know, yes, give them a list, you know? Um, like before, um, I had to be a caregiver for so, for so many different people. Like I said, my husband at one time had to call in a hospice on him. I'm sorry, you had to call in a hospice on your husband? Yes. So my husband is a 100% disabled veteran, um, Purple Heart. 29 surgeries. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, at one time he was on 36 medications with the VA. Uh, he's 6'1 and was weighing 130 pounds. He was just so sick. Um, lung problems from the bird pits. And um, it was a very dark time. You know, I became the caregiver. You know, once again, I was caring for my mom. I was caring for my, you know what I mean? Like it was, and I had a lot of, I didn't realize that, but I had a lot of resentment for him when he, finally got better, you know, um, and it, I still held it today. Like I almost was treating him like I'm his mom, you know, and it's hard to get out of that. So, um, you know, that's something that he continues to call me on, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, that's, that's being a caregiver, you know, mm -hmm. and the best thing that I ever did, you know, he's missing the left frontal lobe of his brain is, um, I don't know if you know this, but your brain at the age of 35, I believe, 35, are somewhere in there. Your brain is pretty much fully formed, mm -hmm. but you can rewire it. And you can rewire it a lot faster than you could as a child because you're, you're wired, it's constantly growing. So you're constantly having to recorrect it, recorrect it, recorrect it. Versus once you get it wired, it pretty much, that's why when, as we get older, we get so stuck in our routines, right. you know, and it's a lot harder to change them. So um, once I, once we realized that we, 
you know, when I was going through all of this stuff and, you know, taught myself, um, we started doing that. So now guess what? He makes his VA appointments, you know, he is finding out different information that helps him on his journey and things like that. He signed up for guitar lessons and makes the appointments every day. And that is huge because guess what? Sometimes we do things for people, we enable them. Mm-hmm. And we don't even realize our children, our spouses, how much we enable them because, oh, I'll just do it because that's my role or I'll just do it because, oh, you know, he couldn't do it before versus, you know, if something happened to me today, that's what I got to thinking. If something happens to me today, he ain't going to know I do nothing. Mm-hmm. And whose fault is that? Mine. Because I just wanted to hurry up and get it over with, or I like to have control of everything. So sometimes releasing that control can be hard too. So tell me a little bit about the cognitive gap from pre-injury to post-injury for your husband. Um, Unfortunately, I was not around pre. Um, So I, I, I genuinely don't know. Um, I will say it's, To me, it's like, it blows my mind because my husband is one that I feel uses Google for good (laughs) because for the longest time, he'd be like, he'd see something and not know. And he's the one that old school would go in a dictionary and read all about it. Well, now he just goes to Google and reads all about it. And the information that man has, is just like, not even like, just history and and things like that it just blows your mind because you can go back and look it up and he's telling the truth you know it's almost like quit making this shit (laughs) (laughs) but then um a lot of it is short term so remember to take in his meds every something new so let's say he would have a hard time with the schedule that I have. I'm doing something different every day for spur of the moment, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. So it's like from eight to 10, six days a week, he goes to the gym. You don't bother, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When he has an appointment, you know, that's an ongoing appointment for a long time, we have to make it the same time that, because it, it has to get in there. Once it's in there and once he has that routine, you can switch it up a little. Um, But that's more where his goes um, is very, very short term, you know, or if he gets a phone call, if we don't write it down right then, he's he's not remembering. So it can be kind of interesting at times because my ADD and his, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, (laughs) he actually sounds a lot like me. Like I'm. My schedule needs to be pretty regimented. I have to put it in my calendar as soon as I book it or I'll miss stuff. Like I have to, I have to stick to the calendar and on things like going to the gym, like I have to do it at a similar time or else I just, I don't make time for it, you know, and then all of a sudden it's gone. And so I, I think that's one of those things where we make these assumptions. I hear all the stuff that happened. I would have definitely assumed that I needed to take care of it. I would have thought that, you know, he's not going to be able to make phone calls. He's not going to be able to, you know, have the the wiring to be able to really take care of himself. But he sounds like he's really very similar to me whenever it comes to handling life. Whenever it comes to big phone calls and handling bills and stuff, my wife handles that for me. Now, it's not so much because 
I can't. It's just because she was good at it. And like, you're good at that. Let's put my energy elsewhere where I can be better and let you can. Now, if she, if she were to be gone, I'd struggle getting, getting on the same page with all the stuff, but I could handle it. I know enough, I think. <laughs> I will say this about my husband is when I stopped treating him like a child and it's the same, okay, you have a child with some sort of disabilities, heaven forbid, but there's, I love the parents that show them to use it as their superpower. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always used my ADD as my superpower versus, oh, I have ADD, I can't do that. Now, granted, I used to be that way, but now I do know it's my superpower. So it's one of those things where that mind you know, it's, we almost are enabling them. You know, we're not, the minute I, I told him, it's like, you mean to tell me you did six trips to Iraq. This is where, you know, like I was, I had called hospice in because it was just too much for me. Like I just, I couldn't, he had just given up to basically, and I'm not going to just sit there and watch you die. You know what I mean? Like you, you're not eating, you're not drinking. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit here and watch you just give up on life. You know, like you've been through all of this stuff your whole life. You've done the church. You came back, you did all of this. And now you want to die? No, you know what I mean? Like you're, if you want to do that, you're going to, you know, and so to me, it's, you have those two options. Well, she's right. Or the other way, you know? And that's what I want to be for people. Hope to not at that extreme, right. you know what I mean? Right. But is, guess what? I'm not here to baby you and say it's okay. Because it's not going to help you. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I want to be here, listen learn how to do it. But at some point we have to do that one step because how many times does a baby fall down? A lot. <laughs> a lot. And you will fall down a lot. You know, you will have, even if everything is going right, your finances, your marriage, you know, everything. I always tell people change up something every quarter, declutter, um, change up some routines because then you're better able, guess what? You're used to a little shake up. And then when something comes and comes out of left field, you're more prepared for it versus being so stuck. And then you have to take a sharp right turn. It, it, it's not going to be the easiest. Right. Right. I want to circle back a little bit to the, you talked about your dissociative state. Um, can you talk to, to kind of take yourself back there and tell us what that looked like it's for people who may not even realize that they're living that way right now? I'd like them to be able to hear what that looked like and be able to say, oh, that kind of sounds like me. Maybe I'm not really engaging in my life. Absolutely. So when I say like I would dissociate from my body is I basically morphed into whatever I needed to be at the moment. So let's stay at work. Okay. Um, I have to make sure, you know, I was already compensating for my ADD because of my adult life. I, cause I was diagnosed at the age of five. 
And so in my adult life, I decided not to take medicine for years and years and years. And so it was always be on guard, you know, like, uh, you know, making sure that I adapted to whatever they need. Oh, you need me to do this? Okay, no problem. Let me get it done. You know, overextending myself, you know. And then I would get home, put my PJs on, climb into bed, eat a bag of chips, you know, and or watch hours and hours of TV, you know, and just disassociate, you know. Or it would be hanging out with friends, you know, I would literally try to be the life of the party. So nobody would be looking at me. You know what I mean? That they're only looking at me at this place, you know? Um, talk, talk a little bit more about what you mean by you would try to be the life of the party. What did that look like? So when I would go out, it would be like, I always say at the fun mom or the fun girl, you know, let's, let's do this. And you know, so I could be in control of everything. I love to make sure that I could control every situation. So that way myself didn't get hurt again. You know, mm-hmm. like I was protecting my little inner child, you know, per se, because I just wanted people to like me. I just um, wanted to quit me and hurt, you know? Yeah. So I would always oh, this person's going to be my friend. They're nice to me. Let me tell them all my stuff. You know what I mean? Like, just so, or what I would portray, like you said, that they want me to be like. And then the harder I tried, the worse it would get. So it's one of those that I can truly say this question really hits home because looking back, I can see me how the two totally different people were but in the moment it's it's almost like somebody coming to you and saying what is going on because you you know you are not the same person that I used to know it's because you literally there's no feeling there's no your your soul is just your energy you literally are just I almost felt robotic. Can you can you think of a particular like specific event or night where you were going out with your friends where you wanted to take control and like walk us through what that like how that event went? Um so I let's just use um I love, I love planning parties. Mm-hmm. So that's all my, my way in, you know? So I, um, planned the company Christmas party one year. And of course I've got to go all out just so they, I can feel good about myself, you know, mm-hmm. like, look, not only I genuinely love to do it, right. but it's also brownie points, you know, almost like the brown noser and stuff, because guess what? I'm controlling every situation. You know, it's, I get a say of who's coming. I get a say of what's gonna happen. So like for the Christmas party, it's like, I wanted everybody, you know, it's, oh, Christina, you did such a good job. 
oh, thank you, thank you, you know, and I genuinely loved it because it felt up my energy. It was phenomenal. And that's why I love to control the situations because I got gratitude from it that would lift my spirits. Oh, I can't do that, you know. So as you're going through that Christmas party the night of the event, um, how like how were you acting? Were you you know running from person to person, really chatting everybody up? Is that kind of how that went? Oh, absolutely. And um, it was one of those that as that Christmas party, but then also the controlling part, you know, because it's like it, I felt like my life was a game of chess. Mm -hmm you know, placing it just here. So also the perfectionist in me, you know, okay, this has got to be done just right. This has got to be done just right. Things like that. Um, but it was, it to me, I was so tired of getting hurt in every aspect of my life. I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be loved, you know, and versus you'll never be able to do that. You, you'll never be able to do that. Like I got told that's, you know what I mean? Like you're not good enough. You're not this. Well, in those environments, I was good enough. In those environments, I showed off my creativity, what people love because of my ADHD versus it being a disability. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And then it's like, guess what? I used it as a way to meet new people and stuff because I'm not going to, I wasn't going to go to you and start a conversation, but you come to me and I'm going to talk your ear off. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to be the one standing in the corner until somebody comes up and then, you know, okay, well then I'm going to talk. So, you know, it's just an instance where I absolutely love doing it, you know, the joy that I saw everybody have, you know, it was the magical of the Christmas, you know, and just the, I always say my mom was Pinterest mom before there was Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was, but like I said, it's always a game of chess because then when I'm controlling, I don't have to, you know, I don't get caught off guard. I, I don't have to let any emotions go because I know exactly what's going, what's going to be happening, you know? So it's one of those that I am learning. Do I still love entertaining? Absolutely. Do I still love it? Yes, because I love it. <clears throat> but I've also known this time around with my friendships my relationships, business relationships and everything, they're getting me. So when they genuinely want to be around me, it's because of me, of who I am. And they know that I love these things and I genuinely just want to do it to bring joy into people's lives. You know, even though I always was doing that, but I was doing it for an ego versus what value am I truly adding? I was adding it for me. Yeah. You know, it was what, what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. No. How did you feel when something went wrong? And one of those things, one of those events you planned? Tailspin. Complete tell. I mean, in the moment I would jump into action. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we got to do this, this and this pivot or whatnot. When it was all over, 
I would beat myself up to no end because of the perfectionism behind it. How do you how do you handle it now? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those like we I'm putting on a couples retreat at the end of the month and four couples are coming and you know we're doing a a night where the men are just like the the wives and the wives are just like the husbands and we're going to play cards against humanity and board game night and uh we got a place with a pool and all of that and it's like um i just drew names of what rooms you get like it's either you're happy or you're not like you you can't please everyone you know so just please yourself but do it in a, a manner that your ego isn't involved. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more about what you do in your business. What is one of the biggest benefits you say your clients walk away with after having worked with you? How to do it by themselves. Mm -hmm. So my long term, especially my coaching clients, I am not teaching me them that they need me forever. I'm teaching them how to get their shit together so that they can do it themselves yeah. and just keep it going. Because like I said, the world is ever evolving. You're ever evolving, you know, just because you have a bad day doesn't mean you got to have a bad week. Just because you had a bad morning doesn't mean you have to have a bad afternoon. And my overall goal with this program is for you to live your best life, whatever the case may be. You know, if you're wanting to shoot for the stars and be a multimillionaire, or if you want to live out in the woods and Bali, you know, what is your best life? And guess what? What is your season of life? Mm -hmm. Because we all go through seasons. And when we're in our wintery season, things can be rough. So... That's when you need to hibernate and do that inner work. So then then spring comes, you're ready to blossom. You're ready to be your most beautiful rose you can be. <laughs> um, but it's really, really important to me that by, because with my program, we do mindset work. We do body work because so much of what we put in our body, so much from the outside to the inside of what we put in our body has effect on our ADHD as well. And at the end of the day, food is just food. Okay. I mean, it really is. Of course, some makes you feel better than others, but at the end of the day, food is just food. Um, but when you are putting different things in your body, it could make you feel a whole lot better, which in return, your mind's working better, which in return helps your ADHD. And so, and then when it comes to the home, when your home is in disarray, guess what? Your mind is in disarray. Guess what? When you wake up and your kitchen's a mess, you don't want to cook in there. You don't want to eat breakfast in there. You want to get out of it as soon as possible. So when you are working with all three of those consecutively, magical things can happen because so much, okay, let's just do the body. How many fad diets have we done? Yeah, we go all in and then we go back and gain 20 pounds. But when you're 
consistently building new habits and systems and evolving, it's sustainable because you're just slowly climbing up the mountain, one foot in front of the other. But when you go from here to here, it makes it a lot more steep. Mm-hmm. And so it's really teaching them how to build that system. Like I said, I have a 16-year-old, a 4-year-old, and a 2-year-old. My home runs completely different. My systems are going to be completely different than a 38-year-old mother that literally just has a 16-year-old that's fixing to be an empty nester that's a single mom versus a family with twins and they go to six sports a night, you know? So it's really important for them to build those systems and knowing that not everything. So literally we just do one room a month. We build that system. We build that foundation. So gradually your life is evolving. And before you know it, it's you're living in a whole new reality versus Oh, here it is. You're here. How are you going to withstand that? Mm-hmm. It's going to be extremely hard because you have everything coming at you at 15 different things. Yeah. So talk us through your typical client engagement from what does your typical client look like to how long you work with them and what happens over that process? Absolutely. So, of course, I do um, work with ADHD women um, anywhere from 25 to usually about 55. Um, and we, uh, during that time, we find out what is those traumas for sure. So we can understand how some of us are visual learners. Some of us are auditory, you know, some of us are just being in the action. Some of us just need that body double. So really understanding what my client needs first and foremost, and how they learn and how they adapt to that. Are they a person that needs deadlines? Are they one that, okay, I need everything written down to the tiniest, you know, I can't tell one client, maybe go clean your room because they don't know where to even start. So that's, that's number one. That's where we have to figure out, okay, how is our brains wired and where do we need to go? Also, I, like I said, we understand what's going on with the traumas inside of it. Then um, we go through just the very basics. Okay, morning routine. Yeah, we all get up, you know, wash our face, work out, whatever the case may be. But are you really doing it? Or is it just such a distill that, oh, You know, you don't even realize that you're not doing it or just a couple of them. So we get very clear in what a true morning routine is. And even just, I love, my favorite thing is 15 minutes because 15 minutes can truly change somebody's life Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, if you're not washing your face and brushing your teeth and taking a shower every morning, that's already starting your day on a bad foot, you know, not making your bed. So you would be surprised at how many people just don't even have a morning routine. They're just get up five minutes before they go, throw on some clothes and go, you know? So it's really establishing 
do we start and build a strong, strong foundation? Same with the body. Okay, how much water are you drinking a day? Oh, about mm, 24 ounces, 32 ounces. Well, of course, when we go to sleep, our brains, you know, it basically almost dehydrates through the night. So you need to rehydrate your brain so it's awake and fully forming. So, you know, that's just one little small step of, I call it habit stacking from Atomic Habits. I absolutely love, love that book. Um, but it's just slowly. So the body, we, okay, just instead of that Coke today, just drink water instead, you know, our flavored water. And then, you know, for the home, okay, we're just going to go in and declutter this week. You know, one room, pick the room that we start with. We're decluttering that. And then as we go on, it just intensifies. Okay, so the next month, now we're adding, you know, and we're working with each other through the whole month of, you know, really starting to your self-care, all right? You know, asking those hard questions. We go through it's a lot of self-discovery with this because you're, you're finding out who, like, what makes you happy? Well, my job, no, like dick, get, get some depth in there, you know, because if we don't even know what makes us happy, then we are going to continue to not be able to do that because you gotta know what your passion is and what makes you happy. So you can live a fulfilling life, you know, and then working within that inner peace, you know, what are we doing to be able to move forward and release? You know, we do a lot of journaling work. We do a lot of gratitude. I live in a state of gratitude. You know, I am forever grateful that this is my life and I'm just amazed each and every day. But, you know, a lot of journaling work, a lot of planning, you know, just planning out your day the night before, you know, not necessarily meal prepping, but meal planning. So you already know, you don't have to say, what are we having for dinner? We already know what we're having, you know, mm -hmm. and appointments and things like that. It's just the planning of it. And so as we get on, so especially when it comes to the home side, so the first part, we're just decluttering that room, kind of getting a very basic system. Well, just for two weeks, three weeks, all I ask you to do is keep up with that system in that one room. I'm not asking you to do the whole house. I'm just asking you the dirty clothes in the laundry. You know, you, you've said you want to do these five things in this room every single day. Make sure, without a doubt, it, the thing is, you're going to have to tell your mind because your mind's going to say it's fine. So it's really working. So that way we're starting so small that it's not so overwhelming for people because, let's face it, when they are calling us, they are overwhelmed. They don't know where to begin. And if you overwhelm them and put on a load of information on them, it it's going to be too much. And... My overall job, the reason I do this is so at the end of the six months, they can continue those patterns to make them have a better life. But this is something that's ongoing for the rest of your life is keep evolving, keep getting your shit together, you know, evolve your self-care, evolve your happiness, 
You know what I mean? Evolve on working on your time. Well, so over that six months, how many times do you meet? We meet online once a week. And then I um, either fly to their house once a month or if it's in town, I go once a month and we do a room a month. And we both. How many clients do you have to fly to? Uh, just one. Uh, yeah, which to me, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so just one right now, um, but the rest are here. How many, so, you know, with that model, meeting on, you know, online makes things easier to fit more. How many more clients could you take on? Uh, well, I'm hoping um, by the end of September, I would like um, six to eight clients. Um, that's my max because mm -hmm. especially with me, I want to make sure I have so much other going on as well. And I really want to make sure that I always put my family first yeah. and no amount of the money in the world is worth that. You know, I, I always tell people, this is what gave me my second chance as my four and my two year old, I get to do this over mm -hmm. and I want to be able to do it right. And I, I have two years left with my son too. And I want to make sure that I'm there for his junior and senior year. What, what does he need out of a mother as he's getting ready to grow up and be, you know, yes, he's already becoming an adult, but yeah. you know, grow up and do. So it's very, very important to me, even more than my little children is to make sure that I do things and break that intergenerational trauma. And what I mean by that is, you know, of not being there for his games and, you know, always being gone to work and things like that. Like, I want to be present. I want to be involved in my oldest's life, you know, and really build that relationship. You know, I never knew it, um, how much I talked at people instead of talked to people. Mm. And when I realized that, things really started changing. And sometimes I still catch myself doing it and it's like, uh, you know, so I really, that's the most important thing to me is I want to be able to be this community builder and be all these things for other people, but I don't want to spread myself too thin either, right. you know, and I want to give those clients you know, and also I still just organize people's homes too. You know, I'm uh, working right now on bringing in some more organizers and stuff. That way I can fully um, concentrate more on the coaching side, you know, and I still get to go in and organize homes. It's mm -hmm. just on a much more needed scale right. um, versus just the closet that needs to be done. But um, I want to make sure that my organizing clients get the same treatment as my coaching clients that they need their service. And then I want to make sure that my time is not spread too thin because that leads to burnout. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I am taking care of myself. You know, here I am doing to others as you would want them to do to you. So it's like, if I'm learning from a coach, I want them to be practicing that message that they're, they're giving me, right. not just telling me what to do, why I go and drink three Cokes on the side. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to get back to parenthood in just a second. First, I want to ask you, what does authenticity 
Like, how, how do you define that? How do I find authenticity? Being an individual and the person that you feel the most comfortable with. And what I mean by that is if nobody was around and you, it was just you, who are you? You know, what defines you as a human? What is your purpose? You know, how often it's, you're the original. There's no other person like you. So being that true self, you know, my favorite deal is get uncomfortable being, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, because that's really where that magic happens. You know, when you are transforming lives and when you are doing what you love to do, it comes very natural. Right. And, and that's with anybody. I, I really feel that we were just built that way. When we are living our authentic and true self, you're at ease. Your energy is through the roof. You're relaxed. You're, you're you, you know, it, you have no problem speaking to people, nothing because you are being your authentic self. I agree with that to a degree. I think that that involves some unmaking of, um, the habits that we've built trying to be something else. Um, I, I definitely comes at ease to me now. Um, there was a long period in which being myself felt very uncomfortable. Um, I felt like nobody's going to like me. You know, nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Nobody cared. A lot of doubt, a lot of depression moving through that. It feels, it feels very natural now. It feels way better than it ever felt. Even when people quote unquote accepted me, whenever I was pretending to be something else. I'd rather have people not accept me being myself because the ones who do, it feels much more rewarding. Um, Kind of dovetailing off of that, it's really easy for a lot of people to lose themselves, like lose their identity as they become parents and spouses. How do do you feel you've navigated that as as you've entered this best version of yourself, as you put it? time blocking like it it's huge like perfect example and I I will say like I am on point with this another thing that saved our marriage is Friday night date nights a lot of times we don't even leave the house but phones go up children are in bed you know it is being whether it be watching a movie hanging out in the garage or whatnot it's really it's okay when I am planning my quarter or my week it is so important what are the most important things for me well myself my workout time because if I take care of myself everything else okay what is the next important thing family okay they have this appointment okay I'm going to be networking Tuesday and Thursday this night Monday and Wednesday guess what I'm not you know what I mean like it is family time sorry you know I'm unavailable and when you do it like that and then guess what the networking the working all kinds of intertwines through that Mm -hmm. so when you are planning that and you are being intentional with your actions you know you are intentionally making sure that nothing affects that time right and 
when you're very intentional, guess what? And being in that moment, it is so important to live in the moment, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, that when we are living in that moment, guess what? Even if it's two hours a day, it actually is probably, but it's quality over quantity. You are going to get more out of that two hours than you are spread across the week and not being intentional with it. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? For that two hours, my kids get my solid attention, my phone, you know, this or that. Well, guess what? Uh, It's so funny because we have a command center and from eight to nine, it's spend time with Dustin. So everybody, like if they're over on a Saturday night or something, you know, it'll say spend time with Dustin and everybody laughs and they're like, oh, it's our time to spend time. But I've literally carved that out to where, guess what? Somebody can't go and book time with me or this and that. Like I, I've thought of it. I put it down on paper. Now it's in a calendar. Now we're all seeing it. So that's four different touches within that time that I have intentionally made sure that nobody takes that away from me. Mm -hmm. So time, time blocking is is a huge way of how you help maintain your sense of self Mm -hmm. because you're intentionally moving through those different phases of your life and giving them your full attention. Absolutely. I mean, just like this, it's like, okay, I, when we were discussing on when we could do it, okay, I have this to this time. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. You know, let's get it in the calendar. Let's, I literally do that from the time I get up to the, I, I probably have 25 alarms wow. go off throughout my day. One, to make sure I'm, I'm on track. And two, it's just making sure I don't forget something, mm-hmm. you know, um, I have a speech next week I've got to do for a a women's conference. And it's like three or four weeks before that, I have an alarm going off. Okay, have you written your speech? Mm -hmm. Have you said your speech? You know, because it's being intentional with that. You know, I know I can't just put it in my calendar, forget about it, and oh, I'm going to go see that. Mm -hmm. No, a lot of times I don't see what I'm working with till the next couple of days, you know. And... So it's being very intentional just so we don't wait till the very last minute and then we're up all night. Yeah, I know the Luckily, I don't do that much anymore, so. Oh, I know. I, I don't know. If I if I had to pull an all-nighter, I I don't know if I could anymore. <laughs> I could do it, but I don't know what the results will be. I don't know if it'll turn out any good. <laughs> um... So being an outspoken advocate for neurodivergence what role has that played in your life like as you have gone forward speaking out about it this one is probably the hardest to be totally honest um when i was diagnosed at the age of five i lived in a very small town it was just i legit thought okay I'm abnormal or what, you know what I mean? Like I got to take medicine and truly I didn't hear about it much. And truly, like I said, I quit growing. So I just, um, back in the day, all they had was Ritalin. It made me real skinny. I didn't eat, I didn't sleep. So I just quit taking it, you know? And I had literally pivoted so much that I could, 
what I thought could maintain it, which mm-hmm. in a lot of ways I did a very good job. In a lot of ways I didn't. Right. I didn't realize how much I did maintain it until I got back on medication. Um, but of course, medicine has way evolved mm-hmm. <laughs> since um, I was a kid. So I really, like I said, it was it was normal for me. I it was okay. You need to do your job like this, this, and this. Okay, I'm still doing my job like this, this, and this, but I've got to do it my ADD way. Well, my son, my oldest, was diagnosed with ADHD or ADD. And I'm like, wait a second. He has none of the same symptoms that I do. Are you sure? Well, then that's really when I really started digging in. And it's like I started getting on all of these groups. Well, come to find out, they were like, well, I'm having this problem. Okay, just do this. Oh, well, that worked. Okay, you know what I mean? Like... Or they would say something and I would kind of go and be like, oh, well, I can do this, this, you know. And it's one of those things that overnight I was like, wait a second, I can help a lot of people because I have, I have literally been through this for over 30 years. Like, and I, now granted, they might not be the textbook way. Right. I mean, let's be honest, but... You know, I literally just turned it into my superpower. You know, I really, really did. It made me very successful in the career that I was in. Um, But also, attention to detail was was not the greatest. Um, And um, so it's one of those that it just, it really fell in my lap. And when I got my social media strategist, she was like, you... This is you. This is who you are. And I'm like, no, I I never want I didn't want it to be used as a crutch. Well, I have ADHD, mm-hmm. you know, like I never wanted it. I was like, nope, nope. And she was like, but you have a lot of good information that people can take away. And it's sometimes still met with some resistance because I, I feel like an imposter sometimes. Mm-hmm because I have never really talked about it. And it's like, but it always has been my superpower, not blame it on my ADHD, you know what I mean? So it's something I'm still very much evolving into because I still feel like imposter syndrome, but I know that tips and tricks that I have used to help me. And I have also learned being out of flatter flights and being on this healing journey and reprogramming your mind, because what ultimately it does help your ADHD in so many ways because your anxiety levels aren't through the roof. You know what I mean? And you can hit that dopamine a lot quicker when your cortisol levels are down. Right. <laughs> so what would you say the, the importance of maintaining yourself is relying upon helping others? I would say about 75% Hmm. because if it wasn't for helping others, I wouldn't be on this journey right now. Um, and because I've always, well, just try this, you know, I've always, I always love to train people, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I have knowledge. Let me, let me give it to you. You know, knowledge is power. So in my little film, 
you know, in wherever I was, I was working at, I learned and grew in that one area. I just didn't learn and grow in life. Right. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to give people that information, you know, if somebody's willing to learn it, let them, you know? And so it was one of those, and it made me feel so good because guess what? Somebody learned from me. Mm-hmm. You know, I helped somebody, somebody, you know, I, I think I secretly always wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't want the 35 kids in the classroom. Right. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it is something about being ADHD that training or teaching or coaching people really it engages us in things in a way that we're, we still get to talk. You know, we still get to be actively doing something. We're not focusing on just doing the thing the whole time because we're helping somebody through the process. It really kind of lights us up and brings out the best in us. So I'm glad that you found coaching and that it's you're you're sharing, especially the ADHD part of your journey with other people because I was diagnosed late. I've not late late, but you know, in my twenties, I'd always been successful in school. I had no problems until I got to college and learned that I had no study habits because I'd just gotten, you know, by on being smart enough. And then once I needed to develop those, I crashed and burned for a long time. And I got diagnosed and still then it was even early 2000s and it was a well yeah you're missing some chunks of time and you're late all the time take this medication it'll be fine i didn't know anything about the executive dysfunction about the the different the masking the uh the dysregulation of emotions like all these things that i experienced had no connection to adhd for me I had no idea that didn't happen till two or three years ago that i you know dug back into the research and started to realize how many aspects of my life were affected by ADHD. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense why why I couldn't get along with people or why I always felt different in situations, why this conversation was so boring to me is like, oh, they're talking about normal things that to me aren't interesting. I'm not interested, so it's like this conversation sucks. And that's, you know, that's an unfortunate way to look at it, but... Now I understand, like, these are not my people. And that's okay. You know, that's, that's all right. My people love, we love having conversations that interest us. And we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about the weather or politics or, you know, the regular stuff people talk about. It's about stuff that kind of fires us up. And that's, why, that's where I want to be now. And that's something that I'm really happy to be accepting and, you know, building my journey and would love to share with other people. Oh, absolutely. Um... You know, I think that that's why I truly believe there's so many entrepreneurs that do have ADHD is because we do think outside the box. Mm-hmm. We, we don't care about the weather and I definitely don't care about politics. And so we're always, we're chasing the shiny and new type mm-hmm. thing. You know, we want to evolve and we want to, you know, sometimes we need to rein that in because of the 30 ideas that go through our head. And, you know, at the end of the day, but I do think that that's why it truly is our superpower because it, it is wired a little differently and to be able to maximize that as a superpower versus a disability. And, you know, there are so many successful and I call success completely different than 
some people. Mm -hmm. To me, success is not the amount in my bank account. Success to me is whose life did I change? How do I feel inside? What surrounds me? And what legacy am I leaving my children? Mm. You know, it's called the six keys of abundance. You know, you want to live an abundant life. And it's so much more than money. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I think it's about time we wrap this up. I mean, we could probably talk for another hour and a half, but um, I want people to actually listen <laughs> and not tune this out. So... If people want to learn more about Christina Rose, where can they find you? Uh, absolutely. So um, all of my Instagram and Facebook is Christina, our declutter queen. And then uh, my Facebook and Instagram is just Christina Rose. And my TikTok is just Christina Rose. Okay. okay. Um, Christina Rose, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that, you know, you have a great service to offer the world. And I, I hope that you find great success in it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give it a like and share it with somebody you think might enjoy it too. Also check out earlier episodes to support the future creation of great content. Subscribing would be a great idea because we've got huge things coming. Um, don't forget to like us on at Authentic Identity Management, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and LinkedIn. You can also head over to the Authentic Bruce YouTube channel for a podcast video bonus content, and impactful clips from our conversations. Finally, if you are struggling to show up as yourself in your content, your work, your family, or your life, I would love to help you. Authentic Identity Management does identity coaching to help align yourself with the identity you share with the world. It's exhausting to live someone else's life. Live authentically and access the potential that belongs only to you. You can contact me on social, or you can email me at bruce at authenticidentitymanagement.com, and we can set up a free 30-minute consultation. That is it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to Authentic on Air with Bruce Alexander. Christina, thank you again for being here. Thank you. I had such an amazing time. And to our audience, please be yourself and love yourself. And Talk keep to you getting next time. your shit together. Yes, and keep getting your shit together. Bye, everyone. <laughs>